What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. It's your boy, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from Millax Grand Casino, chilling in Minnesota. I'm in uh, the 10th floor of my hotel room, and I'm sitting across from a phenomenal and interesting individual. Before I introduce him, though, I would love to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. They've been with us from day one. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more about their apparel and fresh duds. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And be on the lookout because Fundamism and Charlie Hustle might be collabing relatively soon on some stuff that would look pretty fresh on you. So without further ado, uh, about a year ago today, I was, uh, I was leading a session up here in Minnesota, the same exact uh, corporation that I'm working with today, Millax Corporate Ventures. And I had the opportunity to see a gentleman speak. And very oftentimes, you know, you look at somebody else speaking or at their craft as it relates to what you do, and you see your strengths and maybe where your gaps lie. And I remember watching this gentleman speak and thinking, oh shit, I got a long way to go. And uh, this is one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. Matt Havens, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Long, for having me. And uh, it's a nice intro, but to be fair, you went before me at that event. (laughs) And you had me in tears. (laughs) You had me in tears. I'm about to go on stage. I got 15 minutes until I'm going to go up. And I had to step out of the room because I was crying, <laughs> both with laughter and just with emotion. Sure. So it, thanks for the kind words, but my man, you, uh, you, you did more that day for me than I did for you. Well, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that because that whole experience was something um, that really helped shape my content. And so I'd like, to, I'd like to give you some appreciation and talk through that experience. But before we do that, same question we start with every single guest, man. What do you do for fun? I've been dreading this question. Um, <laughs> No, uh, so I've actually, I've thought a lot about it because I listened to the podcast. I knew it was coming. Um, And if I really think about what I do for fun, it is about experiences and trying new stuff and getting out and experiencing life. Um, So obviously there's the simple things like I enjoy time with my family and and I've got some young kids, a beautiful, wonderful wife. And so fun for me is spending time with them. But if I look back at the most fun experiences I've had in life, it's trying something new. It's going on a hike. It's getting out uh, of the house, trying to put the phone down and just experience something new. So sure. I always try something once. I don't know if I'll like it, but I'll try it. And the cool thing is you document it all. Uh, when you're trying stuff, so I follow you on Instagram, which is, is it at Matt Havens? What is uh, it's it? at Havens Speaking. At Havens Speaking. Makes sense. Shout out. So um, you do a lot of stuff with your kids and family. And it's kind of cool to watch your journey in that regard because you know, that's one of those go-to conversations that we have. Like, you know, I like to hang out with my family or what'd you do with the family. You kind of mix those things together and you try these new experiences and you have fun. For you, it's far more specific than just hanging out with the family. Like it is, it is, it is a commonplace for me to get on your Instagram and you're dressed up as a princess <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you guys are singing a song, you're doing a dance recital in your living room. That is absolutely amazing, and that is taking the time to be present, not only with your family, but also out of your head and just being the authentic version of yourself. Is that something that you've always done, or is that like, is it innate, or is it something that you have, you've grown into over time? I, I do think, that's a great question. I, I, I do think it's a part of who I am. That's, you know, that is me when I'm not working or, or 
with the speaking world, kind of like focusing on my brand. But I'll be honest, it is something I, I struggle with internally a little bit because with whatever you do and when you put something out in social media, social media, you are trying to create a, a certain brand for yourself, whether that's personally or professionally. Sure. And with what you and I do, um, I've had tons of conversations with other speakers, with my family. My family's in the business as well about, well, how much of that personal side should I really be sharing? Uh, because if people come and, and see Haven speaking and see me out there, I want them to be able to hopefully take something away from it content-wise. But the truth is, I'm, I'm not always creating content. Sometimes right. I'm just... Living life. Living life. <laughs> right. I'm dressed up in a gorilla suit, dancing around. Or Hell my, yeah. My girls love to sing and dance. So um, <laughs> I, I just I realized a couple years ago that I don't want to hide that part of my life. It's such, such a big part of it. And hopefully that people will connect with that, again, personally or professionally. So... Um, so yeah, that's, that's me when we're at home, just, uh, living life and being some goofballs. Well, uh, speaking of living life, we're sitting in here on the 10th floor of this hotel room. And, uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it, uh, because our sound guy, Daniel is absolutely amazing. He'll probably edit it out, but somebody is casually taking a bath or shower at 10, 15 AM. That is living life, brother. That is like, I'm going to casually roll out after winning what? 275 of the slots last night. And, uh, I'm going to go hard right fresh in the morning after I shower. Exactly. I mean, we did see a few people up late last night partying. So, I, you know, it's 1030. They're probably just getting rolling. <laughs> We've been up since like six. But... That is true. That is true. Well, you've been up since six. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so speaking of, um, of Instagram and this persona, we were downstairs earlier. We were meeting and greeting, uh, you know, attendees of this conference. And there was a young lady that walked by in white pants and she had a glass of water. And I said, but tell me, ma'am, will you drink the coffee in those white pants? And she said, you know I will, but I won't eat strawberries. <laughs> and so you, as she walked off, you said, man, you're great at like just creating conversation out of nothing. The reason why I bring that up is because when I'm watching you on Instagram or when we're interacting out at conferences, and mind you, this is the second time that we've really met in person. Yeah. Maybe third, second. Did we go to, sh we did the showcase together with Midwest, right? Or no? No, I think this is so the sec second, second time. time we've actually been in the same room. But I feel like we're brothers. We're brothers. We're, brothers. we're happy, happy and we're singing and, and we're colored. Do you know that you don't know that no. song, do you? No, yeah. Do you really? Yeah. That is the theme song to the Wayans, the Wayans Brothers mm -hmm. show. Way back uh, in the day. That's, that's absolutely right. So nevertheless, you said I admire that you can do that. But when I see you, I feel like you're always kind of, you know, quote unquote, a jackass. Like, I feel like you, you embrace that fun side of life, which is not common or normal, but to hear you talk about me, it's almost like you look at me differently than how you carry yourself. And I don't see it. I feel like we're very similar in that regard. Sure. We could probably be similar, but I mean, I'll, so I'll, I'll give you a story that, uh, made me reflect. I naturally, I'm very introverted. Okay. I'm very, honestly, I'm very quiet. I enjoy my peaceful time in the morning, I will get up early before the kids wake up just so I can have 30 minutes with no sound and kind of recharge. And, uh, but I do, I draw energy from other people yes. that are, that are around. And, uh, last year at this event, uh, we were done speaking. They had a kind of a social hour. It was outside. People were singing, dancing. And in your talk, you talked about you know, it's, it's about fun yes. and I, I'm not going to say no to things and I'm going to say yes. And somebody <laughs> asked you to go do some karaoke. And at first you paused. Yeah. And then, and then we kind of made fun of you a little bit, said you have to go do it. So you went up, you did it, and you slayed 
some Biggie Smalls. Hey, I burnt that thing down. To, I'm, 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 I'll be honest, I don't know the group in Minnesota if a lot of them had heard Biggie. There was about five or six people bobbing their head and really getting into it, but you absolutely slayed it. And I sat there thinking, I was like, man, I couldn't do that unless I had about seven drinks in me. <laughs> Why do you think and we're you, like and that, you just, And you just walked up and slayed it. And so I was super impressed by that. But uh, but I've tried to use that in my head in the last year and say, you know what? It, just go and try it. Go and do it. Right. Push yourself a little bit. Um, so maybe I'm getting better, but I, st- I still do look up to you in that regard. Man, well, that's that's very flattering. Um, I feel like this is going to be a bro fest. We're just sitting here uh, telling each other what we like about it. Hey, guys, get a room. <laughs> We're already We're in, in a room. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's revisit that event because that is really – you know, a lot of folks, they see what I do, they see what you do, and it, you know, it's everything they see is fun, right? My, my wife always tells me, like, your job is so fun, and she's home with the kids, yeah. you know, and, and that takes a lot of, it puts a lot of pressure on her, there's a lot of stress involved, and you know, growing a business takes a lot of work, yeah. and I've kind of created this business of fun, and so that means it doesn't matter if I'm on stage or I'm out networking, everything that I do appears to be fun. And truth be told, it is to me. But for our wives, when they're out there and they're, you know, they're raising kids and they, you know, every time I'm gone, it puts added pressure on her. Sometimes, sometimes that's a little difficult to, to embrace or to see that, right? What people don't see is the loneliness of being on the road. And you had mentioned you garner energy from other people. And I'm the same exact way. Like I'm always like live and a lot. But when I get around people, man, it's just like, I I love, it's just infectious. Like I love feeding off your energy. I love seeing what you're doing and then try to figure out how do I incorporate something like that? So when I met you, and uh, I met you, but I hadn't seen you speak yet. And those are two definitively different experiences, right? With anybody. It's like meeting somebody and then seeing them work the register at Walmart or, you know, digging holes outside. You know, there's two people, the one that we are and the one that we reveal ourselves to be. And so you were kind of naturally quiet and introverted. And then you got on stage, man. And uh, again, I did go after you. I have always looked up to stand-up comics. Like, I drove up from Kansas City to Mille Lacs. Uh, is Mille Lacs the city? No, it's not. No, we're in Hinkley. No. Hinkley, Minnesota right yeah. now. Yeah. So we're in Hinkley, Minnesota, and I drove up. It's a seven-and-a-half-hour drive. And of that seven-and-a-half hours, I listen to stand-up comedy for five of it. And so what I'm doing is I'm, you know, not all of them are funny, but I'm listening to their cadences, and I'm listening to their delivery style, and I'm listening to them let a, let a joke simmer. So when I'm on stage, I love stand-up comedy so much and just laughter so much that that's typically how I gauge my success level. Mm -hmm. Well, you know that my keynote is not all laughter. Like some of it's super heavy. And so as a result, there's not always the same level of laughter as, say, a stand-up comic. So I do my thing, and then I watch you. And you had them in stitches, dude. Like every single line was like people just just gut-wrenching laughter. And when I said, I watched you and I was like, oh crap, I got a long way to go. What I was basing that off of was the amount that you just, the, 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 the fact that you had the room just at your beck and call in terms of laughter. Like whatever you said, they were going to laugh. And that is a valuable, valuable trait. So being an introvert, but being as funny as you are, how does that equate? Like, where did that come from? 
Well, so I think, uh, and, and you might know this, but I doubt anybody on this podcast would know. Um, I, I, in a way, I come from a family of stand-up comedians. Okay. So my uh, dad was a corporate lawyer uh, for a Fortune 50 company for many years into his 40s. And then he quit the corporate job to go do stand-up comedy. So at the time, we lived in Bloomington, Illinois. Um, it was about a two-hour drive to Chicago. And so in the nights, I was probably, I was probably in single digits as far as my age. Um, he, would go to, he would go to work. At 5 o'clock, he would drive up to Chicago, two-hour drive, work the comedy circuit up there. When that was done at 1 or 2 in the morning, he'd drive back home, get a few hours of sleep, and then go back to work the next day. Eventually, he quit the day job and just started doing stand-up comedy. So for me, I was always in comedy clubs. I was always watching comedy because that's what my dad did. And it was fun and it was interesting. And I definitely listened to some jokes I shouldn't have listened to right. uh, when I was 10. But um, you know, even in college, my dad would be doing a job nearby and friends and I would drive up to go see him. So I was very used to being around comedy. But one of the things that I always found unique was before my dad would go on, he would be standing there talking with me, talking with friends, whatever, just very normal conversation. The second he would leave, they would call his name and he would walk up onto stage. I didn't recognize who he was. Really? I, I, his voice changed. He was animated. And if you've met my dad, he's not those things. Right. And so um, I would say that that's kind of stuck with me a little bit that, yeah, as far as a stage presence goes or, you know, when you're doing something that's maybe outside of your comfort zone, it can be outside of your comfort zone. Just put on a cape, put on a shell, do whatever you got to do and be that person that you got to be in that moment. And I just saw that at a very young age with my dad. So I, I would equate that to when you and I go on stage. I don't, I don't know if you're like me. Um, I feel like I'm about to go out for a basketball game in high school. Right. I, you know, I get this, I get the goosebumps. sweats, I get the goosebumps yeah. and then I go out stage and it's game time. And I, yeah, I, I am probably a little bit different than I am off stage. But it doesn't come across as disingenuous. That's what's interesting to me. Like, I feel like watching you on stage is very similar to having a conversation with you. Now it's a little smaller. Sure. Um, you know, I was talking to a speaker that's actually speaking tomorrow, uh, George, and forgive me, his last George name. George Campbell. George Campbell. Yep. He used to do a, a character by the name of Joe Malarkey. And we were talking about authenticity and being who you are. So he said, man, I've always, what I do is I go on stage and I'm a bigger version of myself. Exactly. And that's what I feel like you are. Like, it doesn't come across as disingenuous. I would never guess that you're an introvert, but the same token, uh, I feel like you're being who you truly are. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about this being kind of a lonely, lonely um, environment. And this is the second year that we've done this event. And when we showed up last night, you weren't here yet, but Andrea Bolinda, the individual that booked us, all of the speakers come together and we're just hugging and we're, you know, and we're high-fiving and we're talking about the most intimate things. And she's like, I've never had a group that's been this close. Yeah. And when we talk about loneliness, when you find somebody like the Matt Havens or the George Campbells or the, or the Jamie Tates, Tate, is that I pronounce yeah. it right? Yep. Jamie Tates. All of a sudden you like, you just feel it's family. That's what we say. Like, this is a dysfunctional family, but that's not common. Like, I don't know if you've seen a ton of speakers in your travels. I don't feel uh, with others what I have with like you and other people. Why do you think that is? 
You know, I don't know, but, but I think it kind of just comes down to authenticity. Um, it, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not knocking any other speakers or anything of that nature, but it is a business where you have to, um, promote yourself. Very ego driven. You're, you're, you're selling, you are selling yourself in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, and hopefully, and I, I would think everybody, when they go out and they talk, whatever their content is, it is authentic. It's truly them. Uh, that's what you talk about. You are fundamentalism right. when you're on stage and off stage. Thanks, man. Um, and so there's there should be a certain level of authenticity. But what what I found is there is a lot of that sort of ego that gets in the way because you have to be that so often. I just I haven't found a ton of people that can separate that. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say that the group that we have here, um, the speakers that I have like really, really connected with, um, my family, my brothers and family included that are in the business, I just, I key into that authenticity and you can be who you are. You can be a bigger version of yourself on stage, but then when you get off, you're still that same person right? and we can have like true meaningful conversation. And I think that's what we found at least with this group. Sure. Definitively. I think, you know, many of you, as you're listening to this, you're, you're trying to relate to what we're talking about. You might be asking yourself, well, you know, I, I'm not a speaker, so how does that pertain to me? I think that we could all relate to the fact that there are individuals in this world, including ourselves from time to time, that are putting on a front, that aren't necessarily being the most real or authentic version of ourselves. You, you, run, you run into them at work. Uh, again, we fall into that trap from time to time. And so the, the main thing that I hope that everybody were to take out of this conversation is that you're going to create far more friends. You're going to have so much more positive energy and find yourself in circumstances that light your world up in a positive way. If you reveal the, the most authentic version of yourself, then if you put up a front and you let your ego get in the way. And I think I've seen the trajectory of your career um, and mine as well. And I believe that that's what is at the forefront of our, you know, albeit limited success to date, I think it's relatability. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, <laughs> at the end of the day, content is content or delivery is delivery, but people are going to, in every walk of life, whether it's speaking, <clears throat> whether it's a corporate world, whether it's the nonprofit world, people are going to buy into you. Um, and they do that every day. They make decisions every day based on who you are and how you make them feel. So yes, I hope that I make the people that I work with feel a certain good way that they want to keep engaging with me. And I, I know you do too. Um, but that's, that's all, that's how it's always is in life. Right. It's just about creating those connections. We don't do it nearly enough because we just kind of create these connections on social media and things like that, which can be good, but you still have to take those connections and nurture them in real and authentic ways. Right. So the more you can do that, um, that's where I think people make a connection. I think what uh, where you'll find success in business and in life. Agreed. Speaking of business, so you and I, uh, one of the reasons why we've really gotten along is because our, our careers really have many, they run parallel to Absolutely. one another. Yeah. So many of you know, I've told the story that I, my first job out of college was with farmer's insurance as an underwriter. And, you know, I, I climbed the corporate ladder. I did all the consulting stuff. I came back, ran a call center, all that good stuff. When I meet Matt Havens, uh, I hear that you actually work with State Farm Insurance That's and have had right. the similar, the most similar track. So you were not even a full-time speaker last year when you were closing the session out. Correct. Yeah. I uh, I just went full-time with this about maybe three months ago now. Jeez. 
And uh, yeah, very similar parallels to you. So I, I grew up in Bloomington, Illinois, which is where State Farm is headquartered. Never wanted to work there in my life uh, because that's what everybody in Bloomington does. So um, I went to school in Ohio and uh, the girl I was dating at the time, now my wife, uh, she was still back in Illinois. And, and just as luck and paths would happen, I ended up back working for State Farm after I got my degree. And, uh, and just, yeah, just like you. 13 years with the company, climbing up the corporate ladder. I've got into call centers as well, too, and led, uh, you know, virtual teams across the country. And uh, but it was never a it was never a desire, I guess, I really had to have that corporate life. Right. Uh, and that is not a knock to State Farm. They were extremely wonderful to me and a lot of still great, great people that I'm connected with there. Um, but, yeah, I was doing this on the side. This was my sort of outlet. This was this thing that I wanted to try and see if I could make it work. And, uh, after a couple of years of trying it, I had to, had to make a decision. What right. are we going to do? Are we going to stay with the, uh, safe and easy path or are we going to go and try something a little creative? So like I said, I like experiences. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll give it a shot and, uh, see how it goes. But, well, that's a decision that many people struggle with, right? I, I know that people that I talk to all over the nation are consistently telling me they're in a dead end job or they're unhappy with work or whatever it may be. But we just talk about it. Like we just talk about our misery. We talk about dreading going into work or whatever it may be. And you decided that you were done talking about it and you were going to make the leap. Was that a process for you? Was it one day you woke up and you decided, all right, I, I, I'm ready to go. What did that look like? Yeah. So it was absolutely a process. Um, I'll give a little shout out to Gary V here because because he needs all the shout outs. He needs outs. all the shout outs that he <laughs> guys, can get. Guys, please, this guy, he's really he's hungry. He needs your help. Please go support Gary V. Please go support Gary V. <laughs> Buy his sneakers and his wine. Um, but no, uh, you know, I've always I've followed him. I've just enjoyed some of his content. And he was a he was one of those people that was always saying, if you're unhappy with something in your life, you have the ability to go and, and take steps to change that. So he was always a big advocate for go get a side hustle, do what you got to do. And uh, without belaboring the point too much, uh, I was at a point in my career about four four or five years ago where um, I was kind of, I thought, ready for the next step. Um, Some opportunities came up that I didn't, I got passed over for. And in talking with uh, my boss at the time, uh, the feedback he gave me was that I didn't quite have the executive presence that I was going to need for that next oh, step. Oh, snaps. They dropped it on you. Dropped it on me. Dropped I got that same thing, dude. It was so frustrating. Keep going. Well, Sorry no, to interrupt. So I want to hear, I want to hear about that. But um, it, it, frankly, Paul, I didn't believe it. Right. Um, I thought it was just an excuse that be, because somebody else got the job or whatever, or maybe, maybe I wasn't as ready as I thought. I don't know. The executive presence thing just didn't feel right. So... I'm the type that I'm going to go try to fix. I'm okay with feedback. I'll go try to fix it. And so I went out and I looked at some different things that I could do and um, found like Decker communications that could help me with those types of things. I went back to that boss and I said, okay, here, I found some things that will work. These things cost, you know, two, $3,000 to send me. Would you support me in doing that? Oh no, we can't do that. Okay. So you're saying I have this gap, right. but I'm not really getting help. And, uh, my brother, uh, Jeff Havens, has, has been in the corporate speaking world for 15 years, um, very successful in his own right. And uh, just right about that time, he came to me. He had a 
a job that he was going to have to say no to because he was already booked for that date. And he was curious if I would ever want to dip my toes into this. Obviously, I'd been speaking in my job. I was in management. I talked in front of large audiences. Um, it's a family-type business that we that we do here. So he figured I would do okay. <laughs> and right. um, and so at the time, I was kind of upset about this executive presence thing. I said, okay, well, fine. I'll go out and I'll speak in front of hundreds of people and build that muscle. And I will talk about executive <laughs> presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they will love me for it. And so, um, so you know, the job was far enough out that I could get ready for it. And, um, and they were they were willing to, you know, not take Jeff and take me uh, because they that's what they, they needed for their event. And by the grace of God, I guess, I went out, did a good job. Client was happy. And next thing you know, I kind of started down that path of, of speaking. But it was four years of taking vacation days from my, quote, real job uh, to go out and do this. I had an extremely supportive uh, management team at State Farm that uh, even though they might not have loved that I was going out to do that, they knew that I was still putting in full effort at, at work and taking care of the teams that I was leading and I was taking days off to go do this. So, um, but yeah, I just kind of, it finally got to that point where my passion is now in this speaking environment. Right. My passion is now having these conversations with people. And, um, so that's ultimately what kind of pushed me over the edge and, uh, allowed me this opportunity to, to give this a try. I love that. So if you're, if you're listening today, I really want you to think about what's your passion. Like if there were absolutely no limitations and you could make a living doing what you loved, what would that be? Like, I want you to, I want that to bake in your brain for a while and write it down. I want you to think about what you're passionate about and how you could potentially make a living at it. Because what a lot of people don't see is the risk uh, involved in taking that leap. So yeah, we see the we see the end game with you, Matt. And I remember being behind stage and saw I saw what you did and I was enamored with it. And then we start talking and you're like, yeah, I'm I work for State Farm. I go, well, what do you mean you work for State Farm? You're like, oh, that's my day job. I'm like, you're not you're not 100% invested in this? Like, what are you doing? Like you're you're 10 times better than me, and you're out here taking a vacation day to freaking deliver this. And so it was cool because then we sparked up a, you know, a, a friendship and we talked and I would ask you, when's the big day, man? When are you leaving? What's the, and even I remember leading up April, we you know, we were talking through. Um, and so, you know, February, when is it? When's it coming? How do you feel? And it was just awesome to watch that process. And it was so liberating, I'm sure for you. I can't speak for you. I know it was for me when I finally decided that I was going to make that leap. Fearful, yes, because I didn't know where the next paycheck was coming Absolutely, from. Absolutely, yeah. But when you when you when you find something that you're truly passionate about, and that energy and that passion shines through in every single interaction, I never, I didn't have to worry about a paycheck anymore. Mm-hmm. The money, the money just came right, and I'm not balling out of control. But we're doing all right. I'm yeah. getting gigs, and I think that we're getting gigs because people see that we're passionate and we care. Absolutely, and. The interesting thing about the leader, the executive, uh, the executive presence, and that whole story that you just talked through, and it's a perfect segue to your content. The workforce is changing, and I remember when I was with Farmers Insurance, I was always this way. I was always, you know, they called me Tigger because I was always bouncing about. Right, energy was as as the kids call it on fleek. 
Uh, I don't think that's a thing anymore. <laughs> it's still a thing. Yeah. But my energy was always at a 10. I was always, you know, hamming up. I remember as a leader, as a supervisor, um, all of our, all of our uh, wiring was under the floor. And so they were very, they were very, um, they were about a foot and a half. They were hollow. Uh, wires were under there and all yeah. that stuff. So as such, they were really loud. And so imagine, you know, a 500-person call center. Everybody's on the phones. And I'm the knucklehead that as a supervisor, I got my helpline, you know, my, my telephone thing on, my earpiece. And I, I fake trip over my feet and roll over on the ground. And it makes the loudest echoing, booming sound that you've ever heard, right? And I just ham it up like, oh my gosh, I really, I did the, and all these gophers, they all, you know, oh my gosh, are you okay? Because they all stand up to see what's going on. I did it all on purpose. I did it all to just break up the monotony of the day. See, I just don't see that at all with you. I, I, really, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see you doing this. I, I think it's impossible. You're telling a fake story. But. So, so that's what people saw. But what they didn't always see is when we were having, you know, a, a group huddle and there was a young lady, you know, talking to me about how she compared herself every single night when she went home to her husband as an engineer and his skill set and how she felt like she didn't add value because she works in a lonely call center, a lowly call center. And I said, Brandy, that's like comparing apples to oranges. I guarantee your engineer husband could not come in here and get on the phones and have the realistic conversations that you do. What they didn't see is how I took that conversation the next day in this huddle, and I found a really meaningful and impactful story, and I read it to the group. But I wasn't reading it to the group. I was reading it to Brandy Wiggins. I was reading it to her to connect to her to see that she adds value and she matters. People don't see that aspect of it. They only see the jackassery, and they say, well, that doesn't fit. Well, leadership presence. As the workforce is changing, our these, these younger generations, all they care about is experience. They say they're driven by money. They say they're driven by promotional opportunity. But the moment that they're unhappy by work or at work is the moment that they say, deuces, this isn't what I signed up for. They're looking for more leadership presence from guys like you and I that will can actually connect with people and cut loose and show the authentic version of ourselves. That is basically, uh, in a nutshell, a lot of, of what you talk about in the different generational gaps. What is your keynote about? Well, so you, you just hit on something that I think is foundational, not just to my talk and, and what I believe in, but it, it, I, I, I obviously believe in this very strongly, but I, I think it's foundational to everybody and what we've become as a society. And in particular, the younger people that are out there today, but it's, it's trickling up and getting into the older uh, categories, if you will, we are becoming one of the loneliest societies that we've ever had um, because of what the internet has done. Sure. And and what I mean by that is there's a, there's a concept that I talk about a lot, which is Dunbar's number. And Dunbar's number is an attempt to quantify how many people any one person can care about. So I always say, try to think of it as your brain is a computer and it's got a certain amount of storage that's in it. Every person that you input into that brain becomes a little bit of storage that you're taking up and your brain can only handle about 150 people. Mm. So challenge to anybody that's listening right now, 
You know, if you think about a holiday card that you send, I guarantee it doesn't go out to 150 people. Right. And if you start writing down the people in your life that matter to you, you'll breeze through 20 or 30. Boom. You'll start to slow down at 40 or 50. Right. And if anybody gets to 100, hit me up at Haven Speaking. When I'm in your town, I'm going to buy you a beer. Um, but it, it won't happen because we we can only care about a certain number of people. Um, but what's happened is we are just getting, because of the internet, our access to people to things, to images, to decisions has blown up where we have access to all 7 billion people that are in this world. And what our brain does is it actually becomes overwhelmed with that and it starts to shut down. Right. And people show you only the best parts versions of themselves. And so you think that that's what's, every, that's what's happening to everybody else that's around you and it's not happening to you. And so it's just that, that sort of progression, that sort of mental uh, strain that we go through creates a situation where all of us, but in particular, the younger people that have had this their entire life, they're searching for people to connect to. They are searching for meaning um, more so than the older generations ever had to deal with because they didn't have that constant connections. So your story that you just shared of, of, of that person and, and, and what they were going through, you right there became one of those people that's going to be in her 150. Mm. I guarantee it. I guarantee she's Well, we still, are Facebook friends, well, so, know. you know. <laughs> but, there you go. but so we're, we're all searching for that, and leadership and leadership presence and executive presence is about creating that sort of intimate connection that people can feel a part of. And mm. if you do that, oh my gosh, you will unlock all the potential that they have in the world and all the potential that you have in your leadership. Right. We just heard it today at Millilax with the yeah. CEO here. Uh, you know, he, in front of a group of 450 people, connected to them and his message. Opened his heart. Opened his heart. And I guarantee you, 30 or 40 of those people now count him in, now count him in their 150. Right. And they might not have even, even met him yet. Right. So um, that's a big part of the message is just trying to break down those barriers that um, that we have and get people connecting on a more real level. Um, you know, the other thing I talk about a lot is the fact that we just overcomplicate well, mostly everything in our lives. Boy. Um, the generational thing, baby boomers and millennials, you know, I don't talk about that. I, I talk about just people. Yeah. And, uh, and, oh, you don't, and you don't just talk about them. <laughs> you talk about them. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I think a lot of the internet's done a lot of great things for us, but it also has overcomplicated some of the things that don't have to be as difficult as they right. are. Right. You know, Hearing your story and, you know, the follow-up piece there, it's, it's amazing to me. And I think there's so many, again, parallels to everybody's life. For one reason or the other, our senior leadership teams, when we worked for corporate America or in corporate America, they looked at us as a certain type of way, right? We don't have that leadership presence. They, you know, we have this, this glass ceiling. They're great for what they do, but we could never see them in this role. And then we leave, and now we are the experts. Now corporations across the nation are booking us to understand more about leadership presence. That's crazy to me. It's crazy that we saw in ourselves something, and we knew that we had it, or we knew that it would relate, or we knew that it would connect, so much so that we said, you know what? Screw it. I believe in myself. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing all of that away, and I'm going for the gold. And as a result, we've seen a certain level of success, albeit a, a long way to go, but at least we're providing for our families. Yeah. 
You know how many people are listening right now that are in a job or in a family or in a friend, a circle of friends, and they feel pigeonholed by how everybody perceives them to be? But in reality, all they need is somebody to say, I believe in you, or hell, them to say, I believe in myself, and all of a sudden the world opens up to them. Absolutely. And that's why, and that's why, you know, your comment earlier about uh, you know, taking action and 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 finding something that you're passionate about. That's the thing that I want people to understand about what you do, what I do, what millions of other people do when they make the decisions to go find their passion is you can turn any passion that you want into something that can provide for your family. I guarantee it. Yes. You don't necessarily even have to sacrifice everything that you think you might have to, but you do have to be intentional and actually take steps to do that. So when I was going to start, when I was going to start leaving my uh, corporate job, I had to stop watching TV at night that I didn't really need to be watching because that's when I needed to actually focus on my speaking career. Right. Um, I stopped. My my wife's still mad that I don't watch The Bachelorette anymore. (laughs) Um, So I'm sorry, Megan, um, but hopefully we're seeing how it's paying off. But you know, you can take very, very small things, and it's not like you have to give up an entire income to go find your passion. No, you can find it that side hustle as you're doing it, right? Um, and just and just give up some of the smaller things that maybe don't have that big of an impact in your life. Yes, what I love about that, and we've talked about it a million times over, and I don't care if we beat it up because I think everybody needs to hear this message over and over and over and over and over again. If you say that you don't have time. You're wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not that you don't have time. It's that whatever you're saying that you don't have time for is not a priority. Not a priority. Absolutely. And I think it's so so easy that we make all these excuses for why we're not doing uh, what we want to be doing or we're not living our true version of our best life or whatever it may be. The truth of the matter is, it's not important enough for us to set aside the fear. It's not important enough for us to set aside the watching The Bachelor. It's not important enough for us to go on the road and potentially be away from you know your loved ones, whatever it may be. It's not important enough. I think that if, if everybody were to take that more closely to heart and realize that the, the time, yes, is finite, but there's always time for the things that you love and that you're passionate about. It's just about making it. Yep. It's just about taking whatever you're doing that's monopolizing your time, that's bringing you down, that's not bringing joy, fun, or fulfillment to you, or not moving you forward, and then supplementing that with something that you are passionate about. I guarantee you, your life is 15 to 20% better today. Like if you were just to make that mindset change today, I guarantee you would see the fruits of your labor tomorrow. I couldn't agree with you more. So- Let's talk briefly about, uh, I'm not asking you to deliver your keynote, <laughs> uh, but you talk about some of these these uh, strengths and areas of opportunity of the different uh, generations. And man, you have some funny, funny content. I'm, a, I'm not asking you to tell some jokes, but what have you identified as some of the common opportunity gaps in the various generations? Well, so uh, the, the biggest thing that is a, is a gap is people coming from an understanding of, of where these other generations came from you. And it, it, that's, that's just in life, right? You have to, you have to sit down with somebody and understand where they came from in order to understand where they're going. And when it comes to, you know, the baby boomers, when it comes to millennials uh, and millennials in particular, we have to understand that they have grown up with the internet, literally their entire lives. This group has never had to make a mixtape for anybody. <laughs> 
They've never painstakingly arranged the songs into a specific order to express their love on a cassette tape. That's right. John Cusack said. They have always had streaming media and iPods with them everywhere. And so if you understand that that group, you know, has in every aspect of their lives, they've had immediacy. Right. They've had it at their fingertips. If they don't know the answer, they're not going to an encyclopedia to look it up. They can just ask their phone and it will speak back to them. Um, then, then maybe you can at least appreciate that those things transcend other lines. Yes, and that's what they start to want in business. That's what they want to start in relationships, and um, so it's just an understanding of where those groups came from. That I think we need to spend more time understanding that and less time trying to put somebody into a box. Man, isn't that the truth? Well, I think that's a perfect spot to wrap up, man. I think that the you know, I just observed something just now. You said you're an introvert, right, by nature. And there's the bigger version of ourselves. And you, you know, you went into a little bit of your content. I also think that sometimes when you're passionate about something, that a bigger version of yourself comes out authentically. And so obviously I know that you're super passionate about these generational gaps. I know that you're super passionate because you lived in corporate America and you felt, you know, like you were getting the stiff arm from time to time. So as a result, that emotion comes out when you talk about it. Everybody has something like that. Every single person listening to this podcast has something that when when they hear it, when they start talking about it, their eyes light up, their ears perk up, and they start talking, they start talking with joy and with a smile. We've thrown out a lot of challenges today. I hope that if you're listening today, that you will take away the fact that right now, the moment that this podcast ends, you could go out and have a conversation with somebody about something that brings them joy if you ask the right question. If you truly ask them something, like if you were, what makes it, what makes your eyes twinkle? What, what gets you, what really grinds your gears? What makes you super happy? Like you're going to have this very authentic conversation and you're going to be able to ask follow-up questions and you're going to learn more about this individual sitting across from you than you ever knew. Be authentic. Be the best and most true version of yourself. Go out and chase things that you're passionate about. Set aside the time for things that are priorities for you. Make the time. Stop making excuses and saying that there's not enough time in the day. There is. There's always time for things that are important. Matt Havens, in closing, you got anything that you would like to say to all our valued listeners? I don't have anything else to say to the valued listeners. Thank you for having me, Mr. Paul J. Long, but I do need something from you. What's that? Before we close. Let's go. When I saw you last year up on stage, you got up and you made everybody in the audience give the best Ric Flair. Woo! That's right. <laughs> and I was so impressed because in a different keynote, I also make the audience get up and do a Ric Flair woo. Yes. So before we close, I'm going to need... One last Ric Flair woo. Well, so I got you, fam. I also got my Ric Flair's on right now. My socks are oh, I didn't with even the championship see that. belt. He does. Listen, I'm having a hard time keeping these gators down, so I have no qualms at all about waving my beautiful blonde locks to the right, waving them to the left, and throwing out a mean oh woo! Hey, go get them today. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Fundamism Podcast. Shout out to our guest, Matt Havens. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Thank you, brother. Super refreshing. Go follow him on Instagram, at Havens Speaking. The dude's blowing up. You're going to want to follow his journey. I know I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, be on the lookout for some really cool things coming your way from Fundamism. As always, 
go out, create some joy and fun in the life of others, and gravitate more towards the things that give you strength than the things that tear you down. Have a wonderful day, and deuces! Deuces!